Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Moaning. Yeah, we haven't talked all week. Here we go. I know it's been busy. Uh, do you do you want? I should let you lead off one of these things every time. I seem like I feel like I dominate the whole situation. But uh, you're a yeah. big leaguer. You dominate it. Go for it. I'm happy with it. Okay. Well. I played in the show. It's our show, so I'm going to make it the show. <laughs> uh, bleachers are open. If you can't tell, Tuttle and I are already bantering away, and uh, we haven't talked in a while. It's been a good week, but a lot has happened. I know Memorial Day week uh, weekend just passed. Weather was great out here. I'm sure the weather was great in California, too, and you guys enjoyed it. Uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, what's on tap? Obviously brought to you by St. Arnold, our favorite beer company in Houston ever. Uh, Major League Baseball ownership sent another proposal to the players, and this is getting getting gnarly and getting ugly. I'm kind of fired up about it, but I feel like every time I wake up in the morning, I read something new and my mind changes or I shift my attitude a little bit, so we'll get into that. Golf played again, another match, uh, the match part de if you want to call it that, between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, but they had a couple of buddies with them that we'll talk about, I think that golf match may have nailed what we absolutely needed. They, they, they killed it on every front. I, I think it was a great thing. We'll get into that. The last dance is over, so what the heck are we going to talk about? I don't know if you knew this, but Lance Armstrong now has a documentary out there, and uh, it's interesting to say the least because, I mean, it, it kind of conjures up a lot of memories, I know, for you and I. Uh, I, it was my first year in the big leagues, I think, is in 1999 when he won the Tour de France. So there was a lot of uh, speculation going on, the whole testicular cancer, a lot of stuff going on there. That'll be great. Uh, that'll be short and sweet, actually, if we do get to it. But then what'll Tuttle say will be on there? I've got a blast in Blum's Blast. I'm actually, I've wrote, written down several different things, and I've been pretty emotional this week because I'm so desperate to get baseball back on TV that I might lose my shit. <laughs> and Blum's Blast. For lack so, of a better word. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I'm kind of that point where I've kind of lost it with uh, tolerance with what's going on. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Tuttle, how are you doing, man? How was your uh, Memorial Day weekend? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Blummer. And, uh, you know, you mentioned at the outset of, you know, letting me lead this in. You do a great job of leading us in. And obviously what's on tap with St. Arnold as a sponsor is, uh, you know, it's probably appropriate that you as a Houstonian officially – uh, lead us in. I'm doing well. You know, um, the Memorial Day weekend was kind of the, you know, about the same. I, you know, I think I like to hang out at the house more than my wife does. So she was actually like, you know, figuratively dipping her toe in the water. Like maybe we should head down to uh, the beach and see what I'm like, no way, not a Memorial Day with everybody that's already been like, they've already been chomping at the bit to get out. So, you know, you, you end up having people out in public and out in society that uh, probably didn't handle themselves very well in society before. <laughs> yeah, there's the tape measure. Get on the like beach and, and measure up. Hey, wait, six feet. <laughs> you know, I'm so I don't even care about the six feet. I'm more worried about you know it's it's like having somebody driving next to you that you know it looks like their first day driving a car, and everybody's driving a lot faster. And I don't know. It just seems to be that there's a lot less. Uh, social awareness and a lot less folks out there that kind of know what they're doing. Like, how do we, you know, lack of emotional intelligence, how do we behave in public? What are we supposed to do? 
the beaches were not supposed to be open, but I think the lifeguards decided, you know, how are we going to police all these people? And people went down there and planted their umbrella flag and uh, they went for it. So uh, we hung out. It was great. We did the slip and slide in the backyard. The kids are getting nice. a little old for that, but you know, dad, dad's not afraid. We to say, as soon as dad went launching himself down there, everybody was like, I'm in. That's right. So slip and slide. <laughs> and you know, we got pickleball out front. I brought the neighbor kids over. We had a, you know, kind of a wicked pickleball match. So, you know, it was great. What about cool. the, uh, the Memorial day at the Blum household? Oh, uh, we, we hung at the house too, but we're, we're very lucky in the sense that uh, I keep talking about this, this lake in front of our house. It was gorgeous weather. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be raining all weekend, but the rain, the thunderclouds kind of passed through overnight and left us a pretty good day. And we went out to the pool. I barbecued everything. There's a truck stop out here called Bucky's, which is the most insane truck stop I've ever seen in my life. And they're notorious for having the cleanest bathrooms. But you walk in and it is just this, this massive store of literally anything you could ever want. And uh, one thing we found there that uh, my girls love are they have these sausage, jalapeno cheddar sausages. Mm. And I could literally cook up about 17 of these sausages and they evaporate in about 10 minutes. So barbecued that. And for the first time in my barbecuing career, we actually did bison steaks, bison tri-tip maybe. And it was pretty good. It was lean. And it cooked incredibly fast. That's the problem I found with lean meat is that it cooked incredibly fast. And uh, that's kind of how we spent our Memorial Day weekend. We actually, my wife had a great idea to watch Saving Private Ryan. Ooh. And I, I tried to prepare my girls for the first 15 minutes of that movie, but it didn't do it just, I mean, it didn't prepare them at all. They were floored. Yeah. They're like, I can't handle it. Why is that guy looking for his arm? I mean, they were, they were gone. They couldn't believe that was how it was, or at least how they, you know, yeah. replicated it. And it was yeah. incredible. But it, by the end of the movie, it brought a great sense of pride and a great sense of sacrifice, which I think was really great to kind of recognize on Memorial Day, because we talk about it all the time on our podcast, how much we appreciate military veterans. And that <laughs> Man, that movie kind of drove it home for our girls. They're like, why are they doing this? And we told them so that we can sit in our home and be in a free world. And it really did a good job of driving that point home. You know, I brought it up last time about the, uh, what uh, Jocko said, and I've heard other soldiers say it, but you know, the, the, the willingness to kill enemies, bad guys, the willingness to kill another human, and then the willingness to be killed so that we have our freedoms was really um, impactful when I heard that stated and nothing like saving private Ryan to, uh, to drive the point home. And I think it's funny yeah. when you started saying that about your daughters, like um, the first 15 minutes of the movie, I'm surprised that all four of them made it through that part because if you, that's really hard to stomach, but if you watch it and you get it and then, you know, you're able to stick it out, then obviously the movie takes on uh, a different meaning and a deeper meaning. And I think they had to show it that way, the, the kind of as truthful or real as possible, at least from a cinematic perspective. Mm -hmm so that we could all uh, appreciate it a little bit more. And, and, and one last thing, I know we're just in the what's on tap part, but uh, I got a text from you. I got a text from a couple of friends of mine from home uh, up in the Bay Area. I got another text from your roommate. I don't know if he uh, listens to the podcast or what, but uh, um, AG texted me and he, they were asking if I did Murph. And I will just say that I did not do Memorial Day Murph on, on yeah. Memorial Day this year. We're doing it on July 4th, but the reason is, and it's not to not, you know, show our pride or anything like that, but our, our, our owner and our coach Commitment, really man. wisely, yeah. 
No, no, it was the commitment, but he was saying, look, we haven't built up the volume. So he's saying like, if you have a newbie come into your gym and we're going to do Murph, then they'll scale it. Like somebody like you, even who doesn't do CrossFit, you could probably do the movements, but it's like, look, a lot of air squats, a lot of, you know, a lot of running, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of push-ups. The newbie would be careful. The experienced person that's been training the whole time could be fairly careful as well. Like if you're in the military and you're like doing this, but somebody like me who's been doing CrossFit for five or six or seven years, and I've been doing some running with the weight vest and doing some barbell work, I would come in and try and blow out Murph and guess what would get blown out? <laughs> me. That's exactly right. We don't want so, that. We don't, we don't need summer ending injuries. <laughs> no. So just for the, for the folks listening out there, health and fitness is still integral in my life. We did um, a, a wad called uh, Zachary Tellier which is another, I sent you the workout. I mean, it's that another good, dude, yeah. difficult workout. You're just not wearing a weight vest. There's not a lot of running, but man, the pushups go away for tall, tall, skinny guys like me. So, uh, you know, hundred pushups, 150 air squats. There was some sit-ups in there. Anyway, it, it was totally worthwhile. We honored another soldier, not Murph this time on Memorial day. And then all week long at our gym, we have a, a hero workout based off somebody who, um, you know, sacrifice their, their life and their freedom for our freedom. And so uh, it's still very meaningful and it didn't change the way that we went about our business, but uh, you know, we weren't about to go kill ourselves on day one. So on 4th of July, I will report back to you and maybe take some photos, but we will definitely be donning the weight vest and, uh, and honoring Memorial uh, Memorial day, I guess a little bit later this year. So independence day with a, with a Murph. Yeah. Good, good veteran coaching by your CrossFit guy who's yeah. running that whole thing it's no, you got to measure me- take the temperature in the room you got to take the yeah. temperature of the situation i'll we'll get into that a little bit later with uh, some of the major league baseball discussions but a great idea to kind of take the temperature and realize okay we need to pull back make adjustments make sure everybody leads up and gets ready for this thing i love that you're talking about working out uh i don't go to that extent um but uh, you know it brings up brings up our sponsor We've got Ladder Sport. This is uh, Ladder Sport is going to bring this uh, podcast to you. And again, Arnold Schwarzenegger, LeBron James run the show. I've talked about how often uh, the packets that they send out. I've actually ordered stuff. I go to ladder.sport, enter the code better every day, and you get 30% off everything site-wide. I've actually ventured out there and done that. And these are the packets. This is the plant protein. And this is what I mean. I can just throw this in my, you know, my carry-on or my suitcase and I can go out there and have a protein pack once a day, which is fantastic. And since it's been heating up, there's one right here that I actually jumped into. It's the uh, ladder hydration. And it's got uh, optimal ratio of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals. And nice. that, that's proven to be pretty good in this weather that we're living in out here in uh, Houston, Texas, where I lose a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, water while I'm running around the uh, lake out here sweating my brains out. So make sure you go to ladder.sport. Enter the code better every day and you'll get 30% off everything site wide. They've got, uh, you know, the, the shake canisters that you need to mix these things up. They've got t-shirts. They've got the whole nine yards, but uh, we greatly appreciate them being a sponsor on this podcast. Moving forward, we're going to get into the meat of this podcast. I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this because I basically made a list of bullet points and the major league baseball owners have sent a proposal through Robert Manfred, who is, I don't want to say the word I want to say, but he is representing the owners in a very, very, very nice fashion. I mean, he is, he's, 
definitely taken a side here. I think he might be missing an opportunity to really play the middleman and bring two sides together. And I think that's where the leadership in this whole thing is kind of taking a hit on both sides because there's not that humility being shown. Anyways, in the financial proposal, I started to listen to a spa track podcast and I can't recommend this one uh, enough because they did a fantastic job of explaining the idea that the owners have, what it means for the players, what it means for the owners. So some of the things I'm going to pull from this are actually going to be from that podcast. So if you go to iTunes and you pull up spa track, S P O T R A C, they will do a great job of explaining this and their website's phenomenal. I use it all the time for contracts that uh, I want to know about guys. So they are talking about not prorating and they were talking about a tiered salary system for the players, which means the lower income players who are make, making the major league minimum would not get hit as hard as the players at the top end of the scale who are making more money. So just to give you an example, there are two players making the most money in Major League Baseball, Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, $35, $36 million. So if you're a $35 million player and, the, and this uh, proposal goes through to play 82 games and go to the playoffs, that player will make $7.84 million. Decent chunk could change, but my gosh, what a sacrifice that is. Because half of that would be close to, what, 50 or $17 million? So now you're taking that back down to $7.84 million. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, a major league minimum right now in this season is $563,500. They would get $262,000. So that is a reasonable number, almost halfway point for that player. What this is doing is creating a divide, and I think the owners know what they're doing. They are trying to split the union. Tuttle knows this, having been a player, having been an agent or worked for an agent, that the union is trying to do what the NBA, NHL, NFL have all done, broken the union, create a split and get what they want. I think it is insane <laughs> to take that kind of a pay cut, but this is a unique circumstance. So the problem is, is that the argument on either side is they're losing too much money and can't agree on a way to move forward could be the dumbest argument I've ever heard in my life at this given point. And we have to keep that in context. This is not a CBA negotiation. This is not your collective bargaining agreement in 2021 moving forward. This is a coronavirus environment we are living in with no sports right now. You need to understand that if you're an owner and if you're a player, because you know what? If you're an owner, you're losing money. If you are a player, you are losing money. But guess what? 95% of America is losing money. My God. And I think that's where the fans become disengaged. And I also think baseball is a little delusional in this point because if you were to rank most popular sports in America right now, mm. you're going NFL, NBA, maybe baseball, maybe golf, and then NHL. If this thing keeps going the way it is, guess where baseball is going to go? to the bottom of that list. And that's where my concern is on a lot of this stuff. I want them to adapt the American spirit. You and I love the military. We love frontliners who sacrifice everything to go out there for the betterment of the, of the greater whole. And the American, I think, if you agree with me, it's to survive, adapt, and thrive. And this is the perfect point to be able to go out and do that. 
before I get crazy and go a little bit further into this stuff and go on my rants that I've been going on, Tuttle, how are you feeling about this situation? And do you think, you know, how are you, just how are you feeling about this whole thing right now? Because I'm a little frustrated. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. It's really refreshing to hear you, especially as a, a former player and a union member, talk about how baseball needs to kind of uh, regroup and maybe come together and have a That's discussion a about this. It. Yeah, I mean, they really do. I was thinking adapt, improvise, overcome. You said survive, adapt, and thrive. I like those. All those are good. Well, I made that up because you yeah. I think we've talked about Heartbreak Ridge, right? Yeah, that's Clint right. Eastwood. That's your favorite. I, I wrote it, looked it up. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Yeah, that's right. So you nailed it. But I mean, that's that's kind of what this scenario is. And I and I I don't know. I've always been, I don't want to get political. This isn't, a, this isn't something that I've done a lot of research on, but a flat tax always seems to be a nice thing because because you've earned your way and because you make more money than the next guy, Garrett Cole, uh, Mike Trout, 36, 35 million. If we're playing 82 games and you're cutting, um, you know, the 30th guy, because now they're going to do a 50 man roster, you're cutting that guy's, you know, pay in half. It seems reasonable that they would cut the 35, you know, somewhere in that 17, 16, 17 range based on, you know, whatever else. It doesn't seem right to just, I know there's an equation in there. That doesn't seem right. And to your overall point, baseball isn't the top of the food chain. You have the NFL and the NBA for sure. Then you possibly have golf and baseball that are duking it out yeah. with now NASCAR, depending. I know that's fairly oh, yeah, NASCAR regionalized. NASCAR is crazy popular. I mean, right. from a TV revenue standpoint. So the NHL came out yesterday. It's funny that you brought this up saying that they're going to forego the rest of the um, season and start playoffs with 24 teams. So guess what? My favorite time of year for hockey is playoffs. I've said this before on the podcast. We haven't talked about this, but you are killing it. No, but that's right. I mean, so guess what? Things like notes I've made. (laughs) Guess what? Guess that's the whole point, right? Guess what the NHL is going to do? Base it's going to surpass baseball. They've started playoff hockey in the middle of uh, in the middle of May before summer hits. It's going to be fantastic. We love playoff hockey. And then, of course, we've the talked about that's lunch. the only time we watch is playoff hockey. That's right. So they're now going to bypass uh, Major League Baseball. So I think it's I, hopefully it's refreshing for our audience members and our listeners to understand that, you know, we are not burying our head in the sand as former players and understanding the, the landscape that we're dealing in. Because, as you said, I mean, unemployment went from like three or four percent to 18 percent. Um, I've said this before about Michael Jordan. People used to think he had a gambling problem because he would bet 10 grand on a putt and we'll get to the match later, but it's like, Hey, I'll donate 25 grand. If you can, I mean, these guys are living in a different stratosphere when it comes to money. So I've never held them to a standard. Like that's like me or you saying, Hey, 10 bucks, you make this putt 10 bucks. You miss this putt. It's the same valuation. But as far as the optics on it, when they're saying, you know, it would be really hard for Garrett Cole and Mike Trout, except on principle, to say, hey, man, $8 million, that's weak sauce. But I think that if we take that out of the equation, we have to understand that they've earned that money. That's what the free market system's all about. And let's come up with a number where we cut everybody the same. Mm-hmm. And to me, that would seem to work better. And then the last point, which was your first point about Rob Manfred, he's definitely going to... Um, go down fighting for the owners. I mean, Roger Goodell does the same thing with the NFL. That's who they represent. That's what they're supposed to do. But I think that the, the, I don't know, the challenge is everybody's losing money, owners included. So they can't slice and dice this in a way where the players are taking the brunt of it. I think the best way to gain in popularity 
is for everybody to get in the same boat, row in the same direction, and all make a similar, if not the same sacrifice. And now you have people going, all right, I can get on board. That's a great, that's an excellent point. And just thinking about, you know, the Garrett Coles in the, in the, in the situation, you know, maybe I agree to getting paid 8 million. If you agree and turn it around on them and say, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to cut my pay that much, I want you to pay the guys who are making the minimum full salary. Give them 560, you know, $563,000, give it to them. He goes, if you're, cause if you're going to cut me 50, what, 65% almost yeah, 75%, like, yeah, 75%. Yeah. Yeah then take that money and give it to those guys, those rookie guys, or give it to the four other, five other guys that are going to be on that roster. Give them full salary. That would actually show that your union is in solidarity and that you are fighting for the younger player out there. Um, there's a couple of other things that I, I wrote down that I, just, I feel like fans need to understand in order to uh, kind of comprehend the situation that they are going through just on a negotiation standpoint. And again, these are things that should come up in a, in a collective bargaining agreement in, in the offseason of 2021, not now. Now is not the time to be bitching and moaning over this kind of dollar because it feels like a CBA negotiation instead of a negotiation to get on the field. Because I feel like that's how the NBA, NHL, and uh, NFL is just moving forward. But those other, uh, other organizations have thought about, how do we get on the field? Let's just go play. Find a way to get that done. Um, and this, I mean, this could be a huge opportunity missed for, for baseball if they don't get on the field. And I'll kind of hit, I'll hit on that when we get to the golf segment next. But uh, some things to remember as you listen to these no negotiations, players, again, I'm on the, I try to be on the player side as often as I can. When you're a major league baseball player, I think the average career is about four to five years. And that's a small earning window. So these guys are trying to ma maximize their potential earning in a small amount of time. That's why they're negotiating for so much money. Just keep that in mind. If you have the opportunity to make millions in five years you're, and you're never going to have that opportunity again, you're going to negotiate for the best possible situation to get that money. Also, keep in mind, the rosters are going to expand to 30 players. So that increases uh, roster availability. It increases uh, service time. It increases paychecks. And then you also have a 20-man taxi squad. So you've got the potential of 50 guys finding their way into the major leagues. That's a good thing for the players. And I think that's what the players need to understand, too, is that they are opening up opportunities for more guys to get service time. I might have been able to sneak in, right? No, Two that's the God's AAA, honest like, truth. Hey, you're the guy. Yeah, you're the guy you come up. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. It opens up the union. You get more benefits in the long run. I mean, it's More guys are paying well. into the union. Yep. I mean, it's, it's beneficial for uh, major league baseball pays the benefits. I mean, it, it's good for you. It's good for your family. If you've got one, it's fantastic. And you know, that's one thing that doesn't get talked about is those guys who maybe have might've been on the outside kind of wasting away or disappearing from the game. They might actually sneak in there and convince somebody that they deserve to be on a roster in 2021. So that's bonus player right there. That's, that's good for them. Um, now, the interesting thing you're hearing about uh, some of the revenue sharing and the prorated salaries on both sides is that all of these revenue models and all of these prorated salaries are based on fans being in the stands. Fans are not going to be in the stands. So we, both sides need to alter their numbers. They need to adjust. They need to take the concessions. They need to take the ticket prices out. So that means that Revenue is going to be lower, and players' salaries should be lower too this season. Just something to keep in the back of your mind if you're a player when you're negotiating this. So 
honesty on both sides, recognizing the fact that this is a unique world we're trying to play in and you need to make the adjustment and be honest about the numbers you're presenting. Um, and the owner's revenue numbers that they're giving to the, to the players are on the expectation of fans being in the seats. No fans. You need to take that out of the revenue stream and understand that. Let me, let me jump in. I, I just want to say Please. there's a couple of things. We saw this with the coronavirus in general, and I read an article, and I think I touched on this in the podcast before. They used um, SARS, which is a COVID virus. So I think it was COVID-2. They used that when they first started mapping out like how serious this, uh, this pandemic could be. Mm-hmm. And then they realized very quickly that SARS was a completely different coronavirus and its death rate was significantly higher. So uh, it wasn't scare tactics. It was kind of dealing in the unknown. And I think we've touched on this already. I mean, Jeff Schwartz came on the podcast and mentioned that the SEC or the college football could lose about $50 million, even if they play the season. So they're still getting revenue from Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Even if they play the season, but having no fans, right? So they still get the revenue. They still get uh, the revenue from uh, memorabilia and they still get the sponsorships, maybe some TV time, but they will not have people in the stands. They will still lose $50 million. So, and as you said, the players need to be involved in this too, but it's disingenuous for the owners to use that as a, as the statistics to base how they're going to pay and how they're going to look at this. This is completely different. And I was going to touch on this later, but I'll bring it up now. And maybe we could have a little separate segment. Uh, we talked about the cardboard cutouts. Uh, the Bundesliga, the German um, soccer league, is actually allowing you to sponsor a cardboard cutout of yourself. I've so heard this simil- model. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So similar to the big head guy, you know, those whatever those yeah, things were. Yeah, the fat heads. Yeah, yeah the fat heads. Yeah, big head, <laughs> fat head. Yeah, there you go. See, that shows how much I know. So I know that the um, Korean baseball league was talking about cardboard cutouts, and they've had a few there. The Bundesliga, you can sponsor. So you can have Jeff Blum wants to sit row three, like, you know, seat seven behind the goal. You pay your money. They'll put you in the stands and then you get TV time. That is ingenious. And so more of baseball, more of the NHL, more of the NBA, more of the NFL teams could adopt that that kind of, um, uh, I guess, that kind of model. Um, That's still not going to create the revenue from, you know, popcorn and hot dogs and beer. But let's let's be, um, as you said, let's come to the table with uh, with scruples and morals and the right numbers, at least the right um, idea about what we think yeah. the numbers are going to be. Let's not say, oh, yeah, well, we're taking a hit. I think I said this before about the Cincinnati Reds when I was drafted by the Reds, the shots on the uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Don't know the numbers completely, but let's say that shots bought the uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball organization for somewhere between – I don't know, like five and $10 million back in the seventies, like mm-hmm. before the big red machine hit or yep. after whenever they bought them, it was less than $30 million. Every year they paid, they had one of the cheapest payrolls. They would just say, Oh, we're losing money. We got Eric Davis signed. And you know, you know, we have uh, uh, Barry Larkin and they're just starting to drain us. And, you know, so we're taking a hit. And when the shots sold the Cincinnati Reds, it was for something like $350 million. So you know, in a short period of time, they made, you know, 220 to $300 million. I mean, this is, let's deal in reality. And when we deal in reality, even as a layperson fan, or as a, as a kind of a, a guy who plays a business expert on TV, um, you know, you'll, you'll see that the good faith bargaining will uh, endear you to fans and kind of similar to the same point, get you back on the right track to, like you said, having a baseball season and in, in improving the popularity of the game. 
to my man's point. David, you, you nailed it. I mean, we're talking in the here and now in understanding that negotiation, but we need to understand there has not been a work stoppage since 1994. The game has been growing exponentially. It, I know that uh, in the last decade, teams' franchise worth has at least minimum doubled across the board. That doesn't, you know, that kind of averages out the Kansas City Royals and the New York Yankees. But I know for a fact that a particular organization that was purchased around 2010-11 for maybe just under $700 million before this whole pandemic was valued at close to $1.8 billion. Just kind of keep that in mind. It's not a top organization as far as market-wise, but it's not a bottom tier. That is a team that is right in the middle. Yeah. And that is a pretty good uh, return on investment. Now, that is not in cash, obviously, only if you sell it. But, I mean, that is the, the, the Forbes magazine list of value of a particular team. But that's how they work in the business world anyway. It's valuation. I mean, is Facebook really mm-hmm. worth what it is? Or Google, it's based on ad dollars, revenue, uh, potential, uh, you know, potential. It's the data, how they value that. I mean, it's the stock data. The Dodgers was sold re- um, fairly recently. The Yankees are in the top 10 as some of the most expensive um, uh, sports franchises in the world. I mean, like, you're looking oh, yeah. at like... Liverpool or Real Madrid, you're looking at these, you know, soccer teams, the Dallas Cowboys is up there because of the name brand recognition. I mean, the Yankees is probably somewhere between like two and 3 billion, if not higher than that, just with their TV dollars. I mean, the pinstripes, the Babe Ruth, the Mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig, like, so let's not, like I said, let's not get off track and get caught up and start using numbers that aren't valuable. And I think the overall point to this and what you brought up in the on tap segment is that the only way that this is going to get done and the only way that the popularity is going to uh, increase is um, to be genuine and to be honest and to be forthright with your negotiations. I'm not sure that's going to happen. And anytime there's a chink in the armor or a crack uh, in, in the facade, somebody's going to drive a hammer through it. Even a media member or a writer or somebody like, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so yelled at somebody at the meeting. I heard that from a good source. It's like, look, this should be somewhat contentious but they need to come um, into the negotiation with some, uh, some, like I said, some integrity. And if they do that, they will be able to do the things that we're, um, we're talking about. Otherwise, I mean, if July 1st comes and goes and we're not on the baseball field and the NHL hockey playoffs are going and the NBA is getting started up, you know, we're, we're in big trouble. You know, our podcast better change its theme quickly. Oh, I'm going to put a lot more emphasis on this podcast if baseball ain't back. I tell you what, man, yeah, I might start doing this every single day trying to <laughs> accrue more followers and listeners because uh, I'd be seriously concerned about baseball if they're not on the field this season. Desperately yeah. concerned. Um, another thing about the owners, too, uh, keep in mind that they have contra- they've contracted minor league baseball. The Oakland A's, shoot, the no, Oakland A's just aren't paying their minor leaguers anymore. Um, the draft is going to change. They're only going to have five rounds of the draft this season. And then the following season, starting in 2021, it's only going to be 20 rounds. And I would imagine that's going to gradually shrink also. So that's more money being taken away from players and kept by the owners. You know, if you're not running, you know, if you're not running six or seven minor league teams and you're only running three, you're going to make it, you're going to be able to keep a lot more money. 
And if you're not drafting in 60 rounds, 40 rounds, you're obviously going to save a lot of money too because you don't have as many players to pay. And those are just some of the things. But I've also got to pat us on the back because it's our podcast and we have the ability to do this. And you've already talked about the NHL and going to the playoffs. They're just going to go to the playoffs. Twenty, you know, what did they say? They said twenty-four teams are going. How about a few of the other six teams? You suck. <laughs> if you can't make a twenty-four team playoff, you suck. And they're Anyways. probably at home going, "Man, if we only knew that it was going to be a right? twenty-four team, we would have played harder." Like, wait, no. <laughs> so but uh, <laughs> to pat us on the back, you and I have nailed the pandemic playoff situations. We said the NBA had played 60, I think 65, 68 games or something like that. It's a mix. And Some team, they haven't all played the same amount. Yeah, That's what we were saying. So like it's 66 60s. to, yep, okay. high 60s. So, you, so there's enough to be able to pick out who should go to the playoffs and who shouldn't. But at the same time, we know that fans want to watch their teams play as long as they possibly can. And you and I, I think we nailed it. You know, as soon as this pandemic hit, we were like, all right, no more March Madness. Guess what? NBA madness. Yeah. We're going to put all 30 teams in there and we're going to play round robin. We're going to play three game series. We're going to find our way through this thing. And I think that's where the NBA is headed. The NHL actually took our idea and ran with it. So kudos to them. But I think it's great that sports are recognizing that this 2020 season is just strictly a playoff season. Go for it because the money's going to be made in the postseason. And as soon as you put a playoff tag on something, guess what happens to the TV? Yeah. Money goes up. Playoff bonuses go up. Uh, that's another thing we haven't talked about in the baseball situation, that there's going to be a hefty playoff bonuses for the teams that do go to the playoffs because they're expanding to 14 teams, I think. That is a great situation for the players. But the playoff idea is genius on all of these uh, organizations' part. I like it. That's all I've got for this baseball thing. I will let you finish it off. No, I was just going to agree with you. I mean, the playoff, is, I mean, we've said this already with baseball. You know that the more experienced teams, the Dodgers, Yankees are going to thrive. The Red Sox, the high payroll, older guys will, you know, they'll thrive in that environment. And I think it makes it much more exciting for the fans. And if you're talking about baseball starting in July, maybe the playoffs get started middle September, kind of late September. We might be in a situation where you can actually have attendance again. Like, you know, I don't know how they're going to work out fans or social distancing, Dude, that but is now such a the good revenue point that goes nobody's up again. talked about. What if there is a potential to have fans at the end of the season? Great point. Right. And the NFL is planning on having fans and college football is. So, gosh, if we were into October, you might – I mean, how valuable will those tickets be? thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. How valuable will the tickets be, even at Minute Maid Park? I'm tingly now. <laughs> I'm tingly. Um, so anyway, there are so many different things. And again, we're back to the unknown factors, but I love that they all jumped into the playoff uh, kind of mentality. And I think Me that that's going to, that's going to, that's going to make, I mean, we're going to talk about the match here coming up. That's going to make it, you know, kind of that sudden death, like uh, skins type thing. Everything means more. And I think that, uh, I don't know, your original point about let's not treat this like a collective bargaining agreement, which it isn't. Let's treat this year like, Hey, you know, like we are with our kids, like forget school. You don't have to zoom with your teacher. Like, let's like, let's just jump into the playoffs. Let's not worry about how much we're getting paid. I mean, of course we're worried about it, but you know what I mean? Let's negotiate that yep. as quickly as possible for this specific season. You know, asterisk, 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 
or not, easy word to say, um, asterisk or not, then you let's just go for it, right? I mean, we talked about JT's idea about having a home run derby decide the game. Let's do it. Why not this year? Let's go to 2014 playoff for hockey and see how it looks. Let's go right into the playoffs for the NBA. Like, let's, let's try it out. This doesn't have to be how the world is uh, moving forward. But let's also keep in the back of our mind, we keep waiting for things to get back to normal. Well, I mean, what is normal? We don't even know what the we new normal is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's deal with what we have now and go for it. I'm all in. Dude, you crushed that. You were, you were like really good today, man. This is outstanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this podcast. You sound, we brought up Chris Farley last time. You sound like Chris <laughs> Farley doing the, uh, I don't know if you remember his what other we're character. Do. Oh, no, not that one. Oh, he had a oh. character where he had a talk show where he would bring on, I guess Paul McCartney came on. He'd be like, um, um, Sir Paul McCartney, I'm, I'm so glad you came on the show. Do you, do you, do you remember when, when you were in the Beatles? Remember and the time like, you nailed Yeah, the I remember I was in the Beatles. Dude, when you were in the Beatles, that was awesome. You were so good. Like, you know, I mean, that's, that's what you're saying to me. I'll take it as a compliment. Dude. I'm, I'm fired up. I've been doing a lot of thinking about these topics, but we just got to, I mean, we're all doing it in our house. Why can't yeah. we extrapolate exactly. that into sports world? No, but that's the thing. And that's what I appreciate is the fact that, you know, I, I will send you, and the way this podcast kind of unfolds is I will send, you know, just a really basic outline to Tuttle of what I feel we should do. And he can alter it, whatever he wants. I leave what will Tuttle open. He doesn't tell me what he's doing, nope. but I mean, everything, you know, I put down major league baseball proposal, financial, whatever it is. Man. And Tuttle, you know, Tuttle basically finished my list. <laughs> but it's something we're both pretty pretty good about. But that's what I love about this podcast too is that we do talk about it, but we don't divulge in information yeah. enough to where we're writing the same script. It's actually our own minds having some free thought during this thing. Well, I think that's what makes it valuable in anything you've ever done. You and I've talked about this before, having to speak in public. The worst thing you can do is write out your speech and like oh. figure out each word because you flub a word and then you forget where you are and it goes haywire. You know, you got to oh. kind of go topical. And these mm -hmm. topics, you know, are, are near and dear to us. They're passionate. And I, and I know we wanted to talk about the match. So maybe we can jump in there because of we're jumping from, you know, what we're saying the sports world should do and what mm -hmm. was super valuable about watching the match with Tiger and Phil and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I mean, is Peyton Manning the best shit talker on the planet? I mean, that guy is educated. He's hilarious. He, uh, he, was, he was lights out. Um, he can dish it out. He can take it. And he just comes across like a country bumpkin, but he's super competitive, super prepared. Those guys are playing in the rain. And then, and then Tom Brady, who you could just tell how competitive he is because you and I have played golf before. After his third shot into the trees, he was ready. I mean, he was, and they said this on the, on the telecast. Here comes the like putter he was, toss. Yeah, he's, he's going to start throwing clubs and start MFing. And they, the camera went away from his cart. There was like two holes where I was like, Tom Brady's not even playing. It was like Phil, like, ah, yeah, I almost hit that ball. And Tiger's talking smack and Peyton's really funny. And, you know, you know, just like that, that Dana Carvey skit I've said before, but Tom was behind a tree over there going, mother, <laughs> like, and then I sincerely Charles, hope he was. Charles Barkley was talking smack to him. And guess what he did? Sinks a, a wedge from the fairway. And guess what? The day just get, makes itself right. So um, roller coaster ride that is known as that's golf. right. And we didn't tee this up again, just in the outline, you said the match, but 6 million viewers, 
six million tele. I know it's I'm a pandemic because you you're these are no. My notes. I'm just saying you, you nailed it. I'm saying six million viewers. I know there's a pandemic. There's not other live sports on television, but so hey, what? folks, yeah. If you are if you're an advertiser and you want to make money, right? The ladder is sponsoring our podcast. We have Saint Arnold sponsoring. Would you like to sponsor the Bleacher Blums podcast? Of course you would. I mean, two great guys having great conversation. I mean, how 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 fast would you put a sticker of your company on the golf cart that like Tiger Woods or Peyton Whoa. Manning is driving around? I mean, it was unbelievable, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on what you enjoyed about it. But I, I the banter was actually my favorite part. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect. We knew about Phil and Tiger. They talk, they, they bet, they compete. They're great golfers. And that was the original match. The reason I'm calling it part deux is because this is the second one. But just think about it from what Tuttle's talking about as far as a marketing standpoint. Yes, people are going to tune in to watch Tiger because he's one of the most polarizing athletes on the planet and most noticeable players. And he, he's arguably the most famous the second most famous, Phil Mickelson. Everybody knows Lefty. And then you start watching his Instagram, and he talks about hitting bombs, talking trash, his calves, and he's doing the same thing during the broadcast, and I'm loving it. And Tiger looks at the camera and goes, this is usually how a round of golf is with us. And I, that's what you want. You want to be inside that cart. You want to be inside that foursome. Then you add Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Their rivalry is real, just like Phil and Tiger are real. They're friends. They have the competitive banter that, uh, you know, Tuttle's talking about. But how about the genius, the absolute freaking genius of whoever put this on to take the two most popular golfers and pair them up with, guess what, two of the more popular quarterbacks in all of NFL history and put them on the same show. You are now appealing to not only golf fans, you are appealing to football fans who want to get a piece of these guys. And to your point, 6 million viewers or whatever it was, the highest rated golf event ever. Yeah. Any major, yep. anything, the best. So they killed it. And that's where baseball needs to look in and go, holy crap. They just put four guys on a golf course and had the highest ratings in PGA history, baseball and, needs to do that. And take it to baseball. That's a great one. We're talking about doing robot umpires or computerized strike zone. Why not put an earpiece and a microphone on the umpire and a microphone and an earpiece on the catcher and have them talk during the game? I mean, they, they'll they be did some it in swear spring words. training and fans loved it. So yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, so we're going away from that from a baseball perspective. Let's let's remove the human element. You know, this is an error in judgment. Instead of having the, Show hey, where do you have that pitch? Show people why we want the human element. Yeah. Hey, where was that pitch? I have that outside. Okay, is that where it's going to be all day? Yep, that's where the pitch is going to be. Like, fans would eat that up. And and the umpire would say, nope, I don't have that. It's out. And wait, you called that a strike last time. Just that banter alone would get people involved and interested. And to your point, one of the things I wrote down about this match that was so awesome is listening to Tiger Woods be the caddy for Peyton Manning. I yeah. want you to hit this at 105%. Yeah. I want you to hit this, you know, see the palm tree behind. I never thought about looking past the hole to something else beyond the green to aim. Yeah. I mean, I was like, Wow. That's a really good idea. And then he, all of a sudden, Phil Mickelson's going, it's wet. It's an uphill lie. I'm into the green. 
If I land this here, and the way the ball has been reacting off the grass, it has a tendency to skip. So it's not going to bite like it normally would. So I'm going to use, freaking guy, I'm going to use the ball hydroplaning to get closer to the hole, and he does it. He oh, does it. getting well, behind the scenes like that and having that kind of information would Oh, it would be huge. Yeah, maybe John appreciates the shout out. Maybe he doesn't, but we have our own little caddy, John Adams, our buddy, and um, mo- mainly your buddy. And I just, you know, pilfered him into. Oh, my, you're in there. My, my yeah, we play golf. Zone. You're good friends. But he does that for us. We've done those scrambles yes. before, and he's like, "See that palm tree over there, or you see the oceans over here, and you want to see this yeah. little dead bee over here? Just putt towards the dead bee." I'm like, "Yeah, but the hole's over there." He's like. Take my word for it. If you putt towards that dead bee at about 75% and, and you do it and the ball goes in the hole, you're like, whoa. <laughs> so, so to your point though, I think that's what was cool about it is that, you know, I mean, Tiger's been on an elevated platform for a long time. We talked about this last podcast with Michael Jordan being mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, we're around professional athletes in our, in our former lives and, you know, some in our current lives. And this is what we grew up with. Michael Jordan was a step above that. Tiger Woods has always been that, especially on the golf course. Phil Mickelson, again, kind of the one and two most popular, if not best golfers on the planet. And they were normal guys. They were like, you yeah. know, the, 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 the shit talking, the, the banter, the everything was normal about them except their ability at golf. You know, I mean, Peyton <laughs> yeah. and Tom were normal. I mean, Tiger's like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Or Phil saying, I'm going to hydroplane this. And then they were just money. I mean, you realize the skill level they have. Oh, and they've good. been doing this for a long time. But I loved how, I don't know, the Olympics does this sometimes is they make like downhill skiing or swimming the, you know, 50 meter uh, breast or 50 meter freestyle look easy. Mm-hmm. It's just not that easy. And they're uber talented and they're fantastic. But somehow it makes you watch and you, it normalizes it, which is so weird. These guys are hitting the ball 310 yards in the rain and you're like, Oh, I could do that. Like, Hey, these guys seem like great guys to go golfing. So it made it seem like a round of golf between me and you. And it wasn't. Um, and they raised the other thing is they raised $20 million or more for, uh, the COVID-19, um, foundation. So, Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, just it was fantastic to watch, and and I'll watch another one. I mean, they, yeah, they're if they're not if they're not like figuring out how to put another one of these on ASAP, then they're crazy. They are crazy. I'm with you on that. And you know, it, Phil, Phil looked like Phil. He was you know a couple of Aaron shots, and then he dialed it in. It was great to see him make the adjustment and get better. I was impressed by Tiger, man. In this shortened season where they're going to have some majors and back-to-back and really close proximity as far as calendar is concerned, I've got some high hopes for uh, Tiger going out there and winning, you know, his 19th major or whatever it is. So I'm kind of curious to watch that moving forward. But you talked about the money. I love the way the format was where they just played best ball the first nine, and then you watched how Peyton and uh, Peyton's serviceable, by the way. He's good at everything. Um, And then, you know, Brady's hitting freaking golf balls all over the place. And then it went to alternate shot on the back nine. And then you got to see some strategy. You got to see some good swings, bad swings, how they, how they managed through all that in order to raise money. I thought it was fantastic. But we used to have a segment on our podcast called Don't Bet On It. And we'll probably bring it back when football does get back started up because it had to do with fantasy and making picks, which is a little bit easier. But something I noticed when we were watching the golf match that DraftKings did. And I'm not sure if you noticed it. I think it was more on the back nine because they showed the matchups of, you know, uh, Tiger and Peyton versus uh, uh, Brady and Mickelson. And they kind of handicapped each hole. 
and it showed the odds and the over under. And I was like, dude, this, if you have a real time app, you can adapt this to baseball. You can adapt this to, I don't, basketball moves pretty quick. Football moves kind of quick, but you could really start to engage a lot more fans in gaming and betting if you have the app in real time in coordination with those pop-ups i found that really intriguing and you're you're a little more adept at reading some of these bets and understanding that did that appeal to you or do you think there's a possibility for sports moving forward to be able to have that on the tv broadcast so that that's a great point i'm i'm at both ends of the spectrum on it and i'll tell you why Mm -hmm. so golf has adapted this you know it used to be DraftKings, pick your top five golfers and get points almost like fantasy yeah. golf. And now, like you said, football has gone from, you know, I'll take the, uh, the game, I'll take the over under, I'll take the points, I'll give the points to, you know, what about the first quarter? What about the second quarter? How about the first half, second half to recover your bet? They're starting to bet more kind of in-game type stuff. And then of course, prop bets, you know, um, is so-and-so going to catch five passes more or less? I think mm-hmm. handicapping the golf hole, hey, this is the 10th hardest hole in the course. Peyton's getting a stroke here because of his handicap. Like all of that stuff is real time. It's excellent. And baseball specifically because it has inning breakdowns. So you have the mm-hmm. first inning, the second inning, and you don't have the pitchers coming out would be a great opportunity to be, you know, are they going to score two runs in this inning or zero runs? I think, um, I think it would be a really nice place to, uh, not just capitalize on betters and engagement and popularity, but it would be a really nice place to implement it because golf and baseball are very, you know, they're slow and then fast, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, yep. you know, it, it, individual holes, one through eight kind of offers the opportunity to, to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, from a personal standpoint with my own dollars, um, <laughs> I just, that's where the split was is I've been at a craps table that's rolling along. And my dad taught me how to play craps when I was uh, of age, of course, but, um, and we won some money the first time I went and what happens at the craps table for the lay person is, you know, they roll a number and you have to make that number, that point before you roll a seven and at a hot table where that person keeps rolling the point, um, you can be very conservative and stick with, you know, your pass line bet and then the odds behind it and then maybe one or two bets. But what happens when you have a hot roller is now you start spreading yourself out all over the table. So to be a real gambler, hopefully this analogy works. If you're like, Oh, I'm on the game and then I'm on the starting pitcher, but then I'm on inning by inning by inning by inning. You're, you know, you're kind of, I don't know. People like to say you're diversifying, but you're also uh, kind of exposing yourself to way more risk. And I always found that if I wanted to win money at craps, I had to kind of block out the noise, hope I got a hot roller and hope they kept hitting the point. But I don't want to be on the come line and I don't want to be on this one and I don't want to be on that. And then all of a sudden, boom, they crap out and all the money that you made for the hot roll is just gone. So (laughs) gamblers will understand what I'm talking about. We'll bring the don't uh, don't bet on it segment back. As I said, as as sports become more public, public and more um, more attendable and more watchable, we'll probably bring that back. But that would be my only fear: is that yes, it's going to be popular, and yes, we yeah. can implement that in baseball. But uh oh, now my exposure is uh, is great. Yeah, and th- those are those are real time losses. How about yeah. the f- how about I mean, there's got to be a way to adjust on that and maybe do a point system and say there's a grand prize winner at the end of the year through everybody who's on the app or something. So it's not a monetary loss every time no. you guess wrong, but it encourages you to, to play along. 
Yeah, and of course, DraftKings, like fantasy style, they do that. They do like weekly fantasy, you pick these players. They would mm-hmm. definitely do that. And like you said, you can do losses and wins in the week that add to this like year-end tournament or, you know, yeah. tournament up to the All-Star game. You can, again, you can slice it and dice it probably any way you see fit. And I'm sure um, there are many ways to do that. But I, I think baseball would be a great opportunity for, you know, DraftKings and uh, and those, uh, I don't know, whatever they are, the daily fantasy type apps. Yeah. FanDuel, that's the other one. Fan oh, yeah, duel. there you go. Yeah. And, and it's another marketing tool that you could be able to raise money, get money, whatever it is to try and offset not having fans in the stands. And it really engages uh, a fan base out there because who knows, out of those 6 million people who were watching golf, how many were actually golf fans who just saw the numbers are like, I love Tom Brady. I'm going to put my money on him. And, and you go for it, you know. So it increases the opportunity to have that. And I thought it was a great idea. Um, golf killed it. Golf nailed it. They, they, they really did and set a very good example. And I think that it's kind of funny that the NHL and NBA are kind of coming out with these scenarios where they go to playoff uh, formats to finish off their season or just to have their season in playoff situation after watching what uh, golf did because golf maximized an opportunity and credit to those guys too for playing in an absolute deluge. You and I have played in golf in the rain. It sucks. It's miserable. And I want to take it one step further to the production crew, not just the guys like Charles Barkley and Brian Anderson and uh, dang it, I can't remember the golfer that was Justin in there. Thompson. Yeah, Justin, Justin Thomas, Thomas was actually Excuse on the me, course. Justin Thomas. Yeah, he was great. So that is a pain in the ass in itself. But everybody who is running the rigs and all of the cameras and microphones and the technical aspect, man, well done. You so, understand that because of the environment you work in. Well, I so do now. All, yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely yeah. do. Now. It was funny. Gotta, I, I, gotta kiss a little ass though. Those guys, man, out hey, in man. the rain with their slickers, their ponchos. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the real work that gets done. All yeah. you have to if do. If those is people talk, aren't right? doing that, I don't get to do what I do. <laughs> so right. I, no. I have learned to appreciate them very, very much. I don't. Uh, and I just want to finish up real quick. Uh, the last dance is over and there's a Lance Armstrong documentary. I don't know if you saw it. I did watch it. Um, I found it interesting because we both kind of, I mean, I feel like I, I never knew what cycling was until Lance Armstrong. That's the only reason it intrigued me. And then we found out who the person was and now we're getting to see more of the person and he still seems as unapologetic as I've ever seen him or ever remembered it. So I don't know how you feel about it or if you watched it or have an opine. No, I do. I mean, you know, I have an opinion about everything, especially today. Um, But Lance Armstrong is uh, is an interesting character. I think that, um, so there was another documentary before this 30 for 30 and they split it up or unless this is a recut of the other one. I don't know if this is a new one. I think one. it might so be I've, a recut in addition uh, to it because they added that second part to it. I'm more curious to see the second part because I feel uh, like this first part was just kind of setting everything up to where he yeah. started to do it after the, after the cancer diagnosis yeah. and, and after he beat it. Yeah. And so, so I, so I've seen a lot of this information regardless. I watched part of that one, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's been, yeah. And then on Oprah, right. They always show the snippet of him lying on Oprah. Uh, Here's the thing. And I agree with you. Um, I think most of this is kind of old stuff. I don't think he's come out recently. I know he was on Joe Rogan maybe a year or two ago and it seemed like there was some sort of contrition there, but I think, like many folks, uh, your instincts kind of take over. And I feel like the contrition is forced, which is what you were saying. He, he just comes across as an um, overly egotistical guy and has always stuck with the, um, 
kind of like everybody was doing it mentality, which, uh-huh. you know, a lot of baseball players used to. I mean, yeah, you and he, I know that. Yeah, but I think where he took it too far and where the arrogance was, is, and, and you probably saw or heard some of this, was that reporter where he was going to sue him and he took him to, you know, he's saying basically you're a liar and you're a loser and, you know, I don't want to speak to you ever again and all the information you have is false and why are you doing this and you're making it up and he just kind of, he made that guy's life really difficult. I think he went beyond um, what is normal and then it came to fruition that that guy, the reporter, was accurate and then Tyler Hamilton, I believe, was the guy that came out and said, look, I was on the team with him. I know he did mm-hmm. it. He got a lot of heat for it and then, of course, then it was, you know, I think if they went back to the Tour de France in 1991, I think the top, they were going to try and give the uh, award, the Tour de France, to the one guy that wasn't doping. And they had to go like 17 finishers <laughs> down. They're like The guy that came in 18th yep. was the right. only guy that didn't know what EPO was. So there's a lot of stuff involved in that. But I think I like to make things simple. The simplest way would be to say, you know what, I made an ass of myself, which I think he's kind of come out and said before. It just never seems that genuine. And I was wrong. And what I did was wrong. It wasn't, I shouldn't have done it Um, from an ethical standpoint. I realized everybody was doing it. Um, I wanted the notoriety. I wanted the fame. I wanted everything that came with it. And I was willing to sacrifice it. And I think he would get a little more, um, you know, as time heals all wounds, he would get a little more sympathy and probably a little more understanding because you would forget about all those little things. But man, when you see these documentaries, I mean, he just, like you said, he seems so unapologetic, so arrogant. And honestly, if he didn't lose his whole foundation and all his money, you wonder if he'd be apologizing anyway. It's kind of like those guys that go six months prison and they were in a Ponzi scheme and they fly off to Barbados and you never see him again. It's, you know why? Because <laughs> they have all that money in the bank and they don't need to deal with people. I, I kind of feel like yeah. Lance Armstrong would do that. So it's really interesting to rehash it. It is interesting. And and obviously these controversies make for great stories. And we always have that appeal of people who have reached a certain level and then they get knocked off. And, you know, the only thing that I might, you know, not cut him some slack, but maybe understand a little bit is because he was at the top of his game, got testicular cancer, fought back. And then the only way he felt he could compete at the level to against those other athletes, cyclists, is to do the EPO or the blood doping or whatever it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, instead of accepting that's the path he was on, he altered it by doing the, uh, by cheating. And yeah. that's what we're, I think we're all trying to understand and just have him say, like Tuttle said, just be like, Hey man, I effed up. You know, I, I, I did, I might actually understand if he came out and said, look, I had cancer, I beat it and I wasn't back to who I wanted to be. And this is the only way I could. I'd be like, oh, okay, I kind of get that because the mentality is still in there and the desire to win. But uh, speaking of desire to win, every podcast we win when we get Waddle, Tuttle, Say. Sorry, no graphics. Oh, I was waiting <laughs> for the graphics to pop Wait. up. Oh, there oh. they are. Yeah, Waddle, Tuttle, Say. I hope the uh, social Nostra uh, is able to use those graphics in the, uh, in the podcast. I think so- because we've used those graphics that social Nostra might be coming up with something special for us. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That would be so, awesome. Another reason to tune into our, uh, our ugly mugs on the, uh, on the you vodcast. Believe it. So I had a couple things, um, but I'm going to stick to one. We're, uh, we're running right up against the time as always not to rush through it, but just, you know, don't need like seven topics. Um, 
I wanted to talk about the uh, reset button because we've talked about this coronavirus and how we've been in quarantine now for almost three months. And uh, I think a lot of people always wish they had more time to do things. They always say, gosh, you know, I wish I had more time to spend with my kids and I wish I had more time to read a book. And um, as the podcasters, uh, especially our audience know, I'm into health and fitness and, you know, I watch what I eat and I like working out and all that stuff. But I was listening to another podcast and I heard this guy saying it's really interesting because, you know, with the unemployment rate going up and there's kind of a lot of depression maybe setting in for folks, a lot of people don't really like spending more time with their family and being around the house, that there's a lot more streaming of Netflix going on, a lot more soda drinking and a lot more chip eating. And I'm guilty of some of that too. I, you know, I'll crush some ice cream here or there. And then a lot less sleep because you're playing video games or you're depressed or you end up watching a movie late and you're like, you know what? I don't have to get up for work tomorrow. I can watch another movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think we need to kind of regroup folks. We're talking about heading back out into the real world, but it's a time to remember that, you know, this is the only body you got. This is the only you you got. And we will never most likely have another chance like this. And it's a little bit late in the game, but there's, it's never too late to start. I could have made this speech, uh, maybe at the outset of the pandemic, but I didn't know how long it would last. But you guys got to eat well, let's drink some water, let's go for a run, let's go for a family bike ride. Um, we talk about family all the time and how important it is. But it, it, it really strikes me, and I'm saying this because of personal experience, but I see my neighbors and I see some other folks, you know, just kind of mailing it in. I was doing the no shave for a while and you're like mailing it in. And then guess what? We're going to get a restart button at some point, whether it be when school starts or something like that. Like read that book that you have been wanting to read, like ride a bike, eat better. Like don't stay up late, go to sleep, catch up on your sleep. Cause you can do that now. You're not like having to head to the office at 5am or 6am. I just think, um, you know, what will Tuttle say is mainly like a PSA, right? A public service announcement. But I, I've had such a good time um, kind of with my gym being closed, like trying to figure out workouts to do in the backyard and trying to incorporate my daughter who really likes soccer into the workout. So I have her doing like soccer stuff and then burpees and push-ups, And we're all kind of just trying to make it fun. I'm reading a book that I hadn't read before. Um, you know, some of the classics. And I know people are talking about guns, germs, and steel right now because of the pandemic. But it's a really interesting book. And there's all these things that you've talked about doing. Folks, get out and freaking do them. Because when this thing's over, boom, you're right back to normal life. And you're gonna, you know, you're if you don't have a job now, and things have dealt you a tough, a tough, uh, I guess, a, I don't know, you've got a, a, a tough hand of cards, then, you know, it's not going to get any better unless you do something about it at this point. And when, when they, you know, when they start the race again, you got to be ready. And I just think that uh, it was a good time to kind of mention that to folks as I've finally in the last few weeks, I shaved, I got my hair cut, you know, I'm starting to feel like a normal person again, you know, the restaurants, the restaurants are open again, our pets heads are falling off people, <laughs> the dumb and dumber <laughs> reference. So Jeff, not as much of a question today, Blummer, um, just, you know, just like, let's make sure we're taking care of ourselves, man. We got the opportunity to do it. Let's freaking do it. You, my friend, are an outstanding human. And I hope that people who are listening to this take that to heart because you're right. There has been enough time to kind of ride the wave of, oh my gosh, this sucks. What the hell is happening? And I think you eventually do get to the point where you're like, okay, there ain't nobody else in this but me. If you're lucky that you have family around you to support you, use it. 
uh, abuse it, you know, get out there like Tuttle said and do something as a group in, in order to create some accountability. But ultimately, it does come down to you or treat it like a, a, a high school reunion where all of a sudden you break out of the pandemic and you're like, hey, check me out. Uh, I have all of a sudden developed this badass attitude and I'm ready to go out there and conquer the world because I think that's really the mentality that a lot of us are going to need when we do break out of this thing because it's going to be an uphill battle no matter if we do get back to whatever the hell normal is. But uh, the positivity is a, is a beautiful thing. I think it's a great thing. We hit on it in earlier in the podcast when we talked about Heartbreak Ridge is an awful movie. It's not one of those cinematic classics that you're going to go to, but it's you got mean some... like you mean like Clint Eastwood's other cinematic masterpieces. Right? Heartbreak Ridge is yeah, kind of. On I the feel like his movies are solely based on one-liners. You know, just there's yeah. one line in each movie where you're like, "Dude, just wait, he's going to say it," and all of a sudden yeah. he says, "You're like, ah." Yeah. But uh, you know, it was an entertaining movie, and you know, the supporting actors in that movie were awful. But there was just a point in that movie where you heard him say something, and it resonated, and it kind of goes to what Tuttle's saying improvise, adapt, overcome, just find a way. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. So I appreciate the, the, the power of positivity is, is grossly underestimated, especially in times like this. And I know a lot of, uh, I have a lot of concern, you know, during this pandemic time that we're not hearing a lot. You know, I think uh, the, uh, somebody in California came out and said that they had, they had a, a year's worth of suicides in four weeks. And that's what scares me about this pandemic. We have to support each other. Mental illness is real. Uh, depression is real. And, you know, domestic violence is real. And I think that that's what frightens me the most. If we can focus on being better each and every day, no matter what the situation, this one being extreme, let's do it. And I think that uh, that was very well said by you, Tuttle. Appreciate that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, supporting it. I mean, I think that's, it, we can't say it enough because I realize there, this isn't like, Hey, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But you mentioned, you know, I, I try and stay out of the news cycle. We talk about COVID-19 and gosh, this pandemic, but man, the suicide, the depression, the unemployment rate, all those oh, things man, go up in a time like this where it's really difficult. And so where do we get that? You know, where do we get that inspiration? Where do we, um, where do we start to, you know, begin the climb out of whatever this is we're getting into? And it always, in my opinion, this comes from our baseball background, we got to grind it out. It starts with yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the message for today. It starts with you, you know, start eating better, get more sleep, figure out how you're going to um, approach the world day to day, because, you know, we're all valuable and we're all participating in it. And the more we do that, the better humans we are. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not here for that long. Absolutely. Well said. So you had a blast, I believe, that you wanted to throw at us. And uh, hopefully it's a little more, um, I don't know. I, hopefully it's as inspirational as what I just said, but also maybe not as, uh, I don't know, as depressing. Yeah, it's not depressing. It's, it, it, yeah. it can be encouraging depending on how you take it. So my, it, this is a blast. And it's more of a blast at, at uh Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Now, I'm going to get – I don't know who listens yes. to this, but if this gets out and all of a sudden the player – ah, he's not a player. He took – I'm going to retweet it, Blum. Yeah, he went to the other side. Oh, now he's – you know, I'm not yeah. pro – I'm pro player. I, right. I, I like what the players are doing. But – I and I, you know, I understand the owner's side too, but at the same time, this is just a little, little dear Major League Baseball, dear Players Association. Respectfully, shut up. 
I am so sick and tired. And this is why I said earlier in the podcast, this is not a CBA negotiation. This is not, this is not an arbitration. Well, maybe it is an arbitration hearing. You don't hear anything about arbitration hearings in, in Twitter spheres. Stop talking out loud about this. Fans want to see baseball on the field. Make that the focus. Inner workings need to shut up and stop tweeting this out because the more owners leak and the more that players speak, the more they expose themselves and fans do not like it. We don't want to hear about the process. We want to hear about the solution. Find the solution. Now, everything we've heard from the owners has been leaked out, whatever. And the reason it's being leaked out is to put pressure on the players. So here it is for the players. Counter-propose something. Make it smart. Make it imaginative. Make it incredibly authentic to what you're trying to do and put the fan in the forefront when you put it out there. And don't tweet it out. Send it to the owners. Put it on them. Let them look at how you're thinking about this game to get it on the field. Because if you don't get it on the field, and again, I hate to keep saying this, but we talked about this earlier, you're going to fall behind. The sport is going to be diminished greater than it did in 1994 when they tried to come back from a strike. This is not a CBA. This is a pandemic. This is a global issue. This isn't about dollars and cents necessarily to the extent that you guys are talking about. The NBA has figured it out. The NFL is being imaginative, virtual drafts, virtual workouts, and they are looking to the future. NHL, moving to a playoff system, moving forward. Much like Tuttle just said, find a way to reinvent yourself and regroup and move forward. We are not the stick in the mud. We're not the traditionalists anymore. We need to find a way to function in this new reality that we have. So, my ask is shut up and get it done because I want to work. Tuttle doesn't want to talk about proposals. I don't want to talk about proposals. I want to talk about the Astros dealing with adversity. I want to talk about how holy crap in an 82 game season, somebody's hitting 399 with five games left. I want to hear about how the Kansas City Royals, who just have a bunch of young, aggressive ballplayers, are going out there and beating up on teams and have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. I want some excitement. I don't want to hear you guys beat each other up and try and throw each other under the bus in this public sphere. Shut your mouth. Shut the door. Find me a solution. That's all I got. Nice. Results matter. And uh, I think you, uh, you – I'm not the first person to say this, but you said it in no uncertain terms – People keep talking about the future, and I know they've said before, guess where the future is? The future is now. How long did it take our jobs to go Zoom or go to meeting, like remote? We it made took, the adjustment. Oh, it took a week. People were like, this is what our new reality is. So guess what? It's not a CBA. It's not anything else, but let's not give the NFL so much credit. I mean, they had two months to put a Zoom call together for their draft. Like, you know, Major League Baseball should be able to do that, it. right? No, I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm kidding. Yeah, we should give them credit, but it wasn't that hard. The reality That's was probably the bigger point. There's no other way to do it. 
except the future is now. So we don't have to be like, hmm, what's the future of the draft going to look like? Or what's our CBA going to look like in two years? The draft, we're going to go from 40 rounds. It doesn't matter now. We only had, you know, we only have to deal in what, you know, the here and now. So the future is now. Let's have a Zoom call draft. Let's make it five or 10 rounds this year. Uh, Let's have an 82-game season. Let's make it heavily um, a lot of teams in the playoffs. But as you said, shut up. Get in the room, lock the door. That's what they do to jurors, right? The 12, the 12 yeah. jurors are in there. You can't talk about it. You can't tweet about it. Let's make a decision. Oh, we have one dissenter. Who's the dissenter? Let's figure out why. How do we get you to our side? What, what would make you happy? And get it done. I'm, I'm, I'm all, I mean, we're on the same page. We are down for that. We talk about baseball all the time, game of adjustments, and that's how sports is. You make the adjustment given the, given the situation. This is a, not a favorable situation for anybody in America, let alone professional athletes. Figure it out. And we wouldn't be at this point talking about sports if it wasn't for everybody who's on the front line combating this COVID-19 and sacrificing their own their own uh, mortality and their families and their, their sleep to go out there and fight this thing. So we, we applaud you. We, uh, we bless you and moving forward that hopefully we figure this out and we can, we can uh, move, move forward. And I, I want to encourage the competition between scientists and countries and, and whatever organization is out there trying to find a vaccine or a cure. Let's go. Competition is a good thing. Some, who's going to be the first one to figure this damn thing out and let's get it done. But military, God bless you and all of those who sacrificed everything for us. We, we appreciate you and uh, all the essential workers who are still maintaining this country and keeping it going because uh, it's been a tough fight. Y'all have done a great job. Tuttle, what do you got? This is it. Yeah, I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. We didn't do Memorial Day Murph, and Murph gets a lot of publicity. A fantastic soldier and human being, as we all know. But uh, our gym put together, like I said, Hero Wad Week for um, other servicemen that have fallen in the line of duty. Um, yes, I told you we did Zachary Tellier. We're going to do Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N. All these guys, all the soldiers that have sacrificed so much for us so that we can be on a Zoom call to do our podcast. Uh, it's, it's just... It's just greatly appreciated. So, uh, Blummer, hadn't talked to you. Gosh, I think with the holiday, it's, it seems like it's been a long time. I'm glad we had the energy for this podcast. I feel like it's going in the right direction, and uh, and it was good to be with you, and we'll hopefully uh, be talking baseball in the next month or two. Yeah, hopefully we're talking game situations. Uh, it would be a shame for us to be on here and be talking about, I mean, not no offense to the NBA, NFL, NHL, any of these things, or golf. Uh, but it would be a shame for us who are both ex-baseball players to be talking about something other than the sport we love. And I know a lot of fans out there love games and love sports also. So much like Tuttle said and what will Tuttle say, the inspiration and the reason we say this is at the end of every podcast is to get you motivated. So we want you to get after it. Most of all, believe it. <laughs>